Hey everyone, this is Paul Kingsbury. Welcome to the Cutlass Podcast, where we provide fresh perspectives to help you become a more sturdy, versatile, incredible leader and manager. Engage with us online at cutlassleadership.com and like and follow my Facebook page. And send me your questions and topic suggestions to cutlassleadership at gmail.com. Enjoy this episode. All right, we're back, continuing our discussion about Chapter 6 of the Chief Petty Officer's Guide titled Carrots and Sticks. Uh, and again, that introduces our readers to their reward and corrosive power bases. On the last episode, we got into our reward power base, but now I want to get into the corrosive power base, how to use it, when you use it, and the risks with using this power base. And again, I brought back my guest, uh, U.S. Coast Guard Bosun Mate Chief Phil Knoll creator and co-host of the They Had to Go Out podcast. So welcome back, Phil. How are things going again? Great, Paul. Again, good to be back. The conversation, I think this time, not not my favorite topic. I know not yours, but uh, we'll get through it. Yep. And I'll talk about that. So last time we talked about carrots and using reward power, and that's the fun stuff, right? That makes everyone feel good. Uh, but leaders and managers are going to come across situations uh, they're going to have resistant targets or we're going to have people that are threatening good order and discipline or the objectives of the leader. And they might have to lean into using their course of power base or what I call the stick side of motivation. So let's get into talking about that. So coercive power use, it's very tricky. It has rules that uh, that you have to be mindful of when you're using it. And the consequences of misusing this power base can be severe. So it can be severe to your team attitude. It can be severe to your personal career. And it can be severe to your personal power base. Uh, so if you misuse it, you'll affect all those in a negative way. And it really comes down to being able to impose some kind of personal or professional cost on an individual organization to gain some kind of compliance. So like with all things, there is a scale of this power base. If I go to the far extreme side, I could put this in in perspective of how the mafia and cartels use coercive power, right? And they really leverage threats of death against you or family members or stuff, right? To impose costs for you not complying with what they want to achieve. And then I can go to the other far end of lot of less severe forms, right? And this is stuff like leveraging a fear of disappointment, right? So if your people want to perform for you, you can use disappointment as a form of coercive power, right? The cost is that they that you feel disappointed in their performance. So another thing, and you mentioned that this is not a fun area of leadership, right? But it's important because number one, it fosters obedience to rules. Uh, it serves as a deterrent to would-be offenders. It holds offenders accountable and it shows those people that are doing it right that we hold people to standards and we hold them accountable for breaking the rules that we all value and, and comply with. And then in turn, this helps should help maintain what we call in the military good order and discipline. It should help with team morale and it also protects the team from instances of, of offenses such as sexual assault or theft or those kind of things that go against uh, team cohesiveness. So, all right, Phil, so let's talk about fundamentals. So what's your advice on when a leader should move to using coercive power tools or shifting to what I would call negative discipline or punishment? Yeah, well, Paul, I say, you know, I say it's not our favorite topic, uh, you know, just to kind of reiterate what you said is. It's not because it's not valuable, but because we always hope there's another way, right? Another way yeah. to, to motivate someone and have them willingly do what the organization and, and what the team needs. I would say my biggest thing, and this kind of fits to the 
the role of a chief petty officer. You know, whenever we discuss this topic, just remember that you're dealing with people, right? These are human beings and human beings make mistakes. And sometimes they step completely out of their character and, and do something weird, right? That I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Um, it's important to understand that though, because actions that you take, you know, on, on the coercive power base to address it, uh, especially in regards to discipline and punishment can have some really far ranging consequences to the, you know, the lives of the individual, their family, the unit, the service in general. Um, it's definitely a responsibility not to be taken lightly. And one of the things that I've seen that is a, uh, a major plus in the column for, uh, for chief petty officers is that, you know, luckily we've been around for a while. We've seen a lot of people uh, discipline both negatively and, and positively hopefully can kind of guide our commands and guide those higher level leaders that actually make the decisions that make the are that are the convening or assigning authorities help to to relate some past experiences and maybe craft the best path forward to address this issue, whatever it may be, whatever that negative performance or negative action is. Um, you know, there's always a you talked about the scale. There's always that willful disregard, placing people in danger you know, immediately needs to be addressed and decisively addressed, right? And then there's just, you know, sometimes people have trouble conforming to military lifestyle. Yep. And it might not even might not even come out until, you know, year four or something when they when they uh, they advance to E four E five and then you you kind of see it. But uh, maybe a new position that they're in. Sometimes you have to you have to take different avenues to to get them to conform with that job. And I've seen that happen. So it's very important for leaders at all levels, I think, to be engaged and hopefully make some kind of collective decision that, that bases the outcome on past experience, along with the the very unique nature of whatever individual is involved, because there's really not a one-size-fits-all solution to a, to a problem like that. Okay. Yeah, and I always encourage, and we talked about this, is you take a progressive approach, right? And not just with negative, but you start out with what we would call positive discipline, right? So when people hear discipline, I think they immediately think punishment, a heavy-handed approach, but discipline starts with positive discipline. So informing people of standards, using training and education, coaching, mentoring, all these kind of other tools to get people to understand why we do what we do, why the standards are there, and understand the importance to complying with them. And then if you see, hey, they fall short in an area, you don't come in once again with the heavy-handed stick, right? You come in with coaching and mentoring. But if you see people are consistently falling short and and back it up a little bit, you're asking them, hey, what's going on, right? So you're using good counseling techniques and we'll cover those in a, a future episode of the podcast. If you get people, you know, are, are consistently performing below standards, then you might see that you're going to have to shift more to negative discipline approaches. And then if they commit some pretty egregious crimes or, you know, shortcomings, then you will, uh, you should know when you have to shift a punishment. So progressive discipline and approach is what we use first. And you always use this course of power base and the tactics last. So, um, so with this positional power, like I mentioned, comes authority. And with that authority comes the ability to impose these costs. Um, and you've got tools as a leader or manager, things such as, you know, performance counseling. In some cases, you can withhold or withdraw advancement recommendations or in the far extreme end, right? You can fire people. And then in military commands, commanding officers and admirals can give punitive reprimands. They can restrict people to the limits of the ship or command. 
extra duties, reduction in rate, forfeiture of pay, or in the case of courts martial, you can pay, you know send people off to jail. So what's been your experience with using the more tactical level, deck plate level leader coercive tools? Like when, when you use them and what considerations do you take when you're selecting which ones to use? It, when we talked about reward power, we talked about attaching meaning to that reward, right? Yep. Um, com- continues to play pay dividends on this side. You've got to know your people and you've got to engage with them regularly to figure out what's going on. A lot of crimes that you see, uh, you know, the, the people burn for the most, I think, are are usually like some kind of financial thing. Like, uh, you know, somebody cooked the books somewhere, it seems. Uh, that's a that's a pretty, pretty normal one to see. Why did they do that? Right. If you if you were a little more engaged and you knew like, hey, they just had a new baby and they that money is an issue. There are avenues to get people money, tons of avenues to get yep. them support. Um, you know, you got to get in front of those problems before they become a problem that maybe somebody makes a bad decision on how to deal with. And that does happen. I've seen it. I, I do think we play a key role. I draft uh, enlisted uh, mark support forms to. To go up through the chain, uh, those have major impacts on assignment priority or, you know, what uh, special assignments they might be able to take, command level positions, uh, advancements, obviously. And what I've seen work, you know, kind of, again, on that positive reinforcement side, we advance people that are doing what the organization needs them to do, right? Usually, if someone sees their peer being advanced and they are not, they want to know why. And, uh, that's that's a perfect opportunity to to take them aside and and to, you know give them the counseling on that, give them specifically targeted tasks that hey this is you need to do A B and C for me to be able to recommend you for that special assignment or recommend you for advancement. That's a very easy one I think and I I think that's one that definitely a lot of people struggle with because they see peers advance. They're not being advanced. Why? You have to let people know why. That's where the that's where the growth and the the challenge will come in. If you don't do that, then you know it's just kind of status quo, and the person's going to continue. I would say you can't leave it at a number. That's for sure. And uh, um, back to your point about meaning and value, right? So, on reward power, we talked about giving things you know that people want and value, right? Um, coercive power is the opposite, right? So once you know those things, you take those away. Frankly, some people don't value anything. You know, that's the really bad thing. And that's, <laughs> that's when you true. end up going to these really severe forms of coercive power. Once again, knowing your people's important and what they mean and value. Like, for example, you know, a lot of kids like video games or Wi-Fi time. So giving them extra time would be the reward, but taking those away and restricting those tools would be the coercive power use. And and I mean an honest answer to Paul, to your your point about, you know, we were talking about failure to adapt and then those people that just don't want to perform, right? For yep. whatever reason, a lot of times it boils down to what job they're in. So sometimes if there's if there's an opportunity to get somebody up and out to, you know, hey, go do that. You're, you're not you're not fitting in here, right? It's not working here for whatever reason. You know, the military, we're, we're doing high performance teams that do some very dangerous, very impactful, meaningful jobs. And if somebody doesn't want to be part of that team and you've tried to get them to be part of that team, then sometimes the, the best option is to find them another team. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's the truth of it, I think. You know, a lot of times, too, you got to be really careful. In my mind, I see a balancing act, especially with young guys and young women. You want to see, you kind of want to see a dare factor in people. We're doing a job that that requires them to to you know face danger, right? Stand into it. I, I got one of my biggest experiences is uh, 
reckless driving charges. A lot of, a lot of junior people, you know, first souped up car away from the parents and the first highway they find, they hit it at 95, 120, you know, whatever, whatever speed they can get that thing up to in the straightaway. There's a level of, of your reaction, right? So I, I train, uh, or did train, uh, boat drivers for the Coast Guard and we, we drive at high speeds and you, you want people that, you know, are comfortable driving at high speeds. You don't want them to do it on a freeway in violation of the law. And you gotta, you gotta set that example, right? But you can't overreact to that either and totally stifle youth because we, we're looking for youth, if yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. So I think that's, that's something, that's one of the struggles that I've seen, especially as you get, uh, maybe a junior officer that's in charge and then has that power to, to really, you know, punish or discipline, you, you really have to balance it with what's going on, I guess, you yep. know, what, what do we need in, as a service? Yep. Cause once again, right. Yeah. You, you know, the rest of the group is watching, right. So if you misuse that or you say, you know, I invite, you know, feedback or whatever. And then when the person feeds back, you know, and you hammer them in front of the group, right? That sends a threatening signal to the rest of the group, whether you intend it or not. And then you're not going to get that feedback and continuous learning that you want. Right. And I would even say like dual, uh, dual punishments. You know, if someone's already being punished civilly, sometimes that civil punishment's enough to, uh, enough to carry it through, yes. right? If, if that, uh, if that's allowed, you know, if policy yep. allows that. I don't think there's necessarily such a thing as double jeopardy in the military where that's concerned. You know, that, that can be a conversation. Like let, let that proceed, let him get punished with that. And then maybe we can, uh, you know, we can continue on and, and not him up someone's career for, for the duration. Right. Yep. Uh, because these things have, a, especially in the technological world we live, these things have a lasting impact. Yep. Um, so how do you use some of these softer forms? I would call of course of power. Like, um, do you ever l- leverage fear of disappointment or fear of the unknown or sometimes just your personal presence and your body language can send a, course of power kind of pressure to a person yeah i've got a good story i think from from my own past you know i'm i'm that same young young gun that i was talking about that likes to drive fast and do do stupid things yeah i got into a fight uh with some locals at a at a house and uh it was the night before my coxswain board uh coxswains where you it's where where you're qualified to command a boat a coast guard boat crew okay take it out on missions so it's an oral board that I'm sitting for the next day. There's, I think, six people on this board. They're all, they're all my unit. I work with them every day. I try to impress them every day, so they give me the keys to the boat, right? And here I am going into the oral board with, uh, with a black eye, or what should look like a black eye, but there's some makeup covering it up. Right. So uh, I, just, I will never forget the, uh, the look on the, the chief's face. As he put his, you know, his thumb in his mouth, got a little wet, and then rubbed his thumb right underneath my eye. Yep. And just told me to, just told me to get out, and that's all it took. Right. Uh, there was nothing. There was no other outcome to it, other than I didn't get that they they wouldn't give me that responsibility that I wanted so bad to to be able to command that yep. boat. Um. So I think that was a, you know, that's a very soft use of it because that could have went a whole different direction, but at the same time, it was the most impactful thing to me right because it it uh it very quickly clued me in on how serious a job this was and how how important trust was to that station yeah trust in each other that we were going to make good decisions and and uh you know if and that we were going to tell the bad parts right if something bad happened don't conceal it just 
Let's get it out in the open and let's deal with it. I think that's good because he could have easily went the other way, right? Some some leaders feel compelled. They got to say more, lean more, or just beat it into the ground, right? And they don't need to. Again, people are watching. That person's responding, right? So all you're doing is eroding your personal power base when you can't calibrate your use, of course, of power, right? You got to know how much is enough uh, and you should be able to sense that in your people, uh, when you're issuing that out. So let's look at the other extent, right? So, you know, we talked about this isn't fun. And because it's not fun, I think some people tend to avoid it, right? And sometimes the situations where this comes up can be, you know, you don't necessarily have time to think through a situation where you're going to have to leverage a course of ta- tactic, right? Uh, especially in a military environment. So what are some of these reasons like leaders would be hesitant to use or unable to use their course of power base? Why? And what advice would you offer to them on how to learn to use their coercive power and influence tactics? Again, anytime that somebody willfully just disregards the regulations, I, you know, and, and those are obvious. You, I think anybody can recognize those times because uh, in general, they put people and resources in danger, yep. uh, whether of, you know, of a mishap or, or injury, wh- whatever it might be. You know, when that happens, the, the time for, for counseling at that point's over, right? Like we, you, you just threw the rule book out the window. And you weren't justified in it. Yep. Um, that's not to say that that some rules aren't gray on occasion, right? But there, there's a very different there's a difference between willful disregard and uh, you know working in the gray zone. Yeah. And I think uh, I- anybody that uh, that witnesses an incident like that will very quickly see it. The counter to you know how my chief treated me during that uh, that oral board, particularly with uh, you know again kind of with junior officers, you see. I've seen 4910s, uh, which are our booking chits, um, you know, to, to go for a captain's master, okay. even uh, to initiate to initiate a court martial, right? Yep. Um, you know, any, anybody can fill those out, right? Like you can you can be at any level of the organization, fill one out against somebody, uh, basically just accuse them of something is what you're doing, right? And I've seen I've seen leaders get giddy over over getting these forms because it was like it's almost like hey, we didn't have enough going on in our normal day. That, you know, we had to throw this in there. I, I guarantee you some, some Navy veterans that are listening to this will, will definitely know what I'm talking about. But, okay. uh, you know, he gets giddy over a, uh, the CEO of a, of a destroyer during World War II gets giddy because there's some missing strawberries from the, the wardroom um, fridge, I guess. Okay. And, uh, you know, initiates this, this huge investigation over it for really, you know, a, kind of a minor level crime that could have been or infraction that could have been dealt with a different way. Right. And I've seen that happen quite a bit. So, you know, again, back to, to measure decisions on these things where, you know, punish the willful, you know, the things that really are completely counter to, to the organization, Yep. everything else, or I'd say in general, most everything else, it, there's room for development, right? There's room to, to get people recovered from these mistakes to learn from and grow just like I did with that that dumb fight back in the day, right? Yep. So, okay, I guess that's the counter. Is it? You definitely have you have to be careful because some people are very quick to punish. Yep. Some people like like that whole process. They like the investigation, the you know the outcome of it because it is very formal. It's very regulated. It's got a you know there's a lot of steps to it. There's a lot of a lot of people watching, and some people like it. I don't. I I'm know. not one of those people. But some nope. people really do. So yep. you got to guard against that. You know, be careful about who you do write forty nine ten four. You know, consider those options first. You're right. There are some people that thrive off the use of their coercive power, right? And this is why there are, once again, there's consequences, right, to these processes. Uh, this is why we have. 
you know, inspector general complaints. This is why we have the ability to file grievances, right? The system is designed to protect you, right? There's a system of checks and balances before taking these higher level course of power actions. But, you know, starting off, you got to know the red lines, right? So do people even know the fundamental tools they've got um, in a progressive way? So in your current position, list out the things that you've got the ability to use to impose cost, as I discussed, from least impactful to most severe, and then who has the authority to impose those? And then have you had a discussion with authority on the red lines of where, hey, sexual assault, theft, you know, these things are clearly usually delineated where we're not going to really take time to counsel you. You're getting a report shit, or in some cases, the law is just going to arrest you and put you into the system. So, um, and even the police, you say, will do this. Uh, as much as they're under pressure right now, I've seen plenty of instances where not every criminal gets arrested or every person they pull over gets arrested. They they give some time to gauge, give a warning, give a verbal warning, whatever it is. You should do the same thing as a leader. Uh, and the fast, last thing I want to talk to, so once as a leader, once a person that you lead or a manager under you undergoes some kind of punishment – uh, what's your thoughts on the building up process after punishment? I've seen numerous captains masks in my my career. I've uh, been the subject to to one or maybe two. Yeah. But um, I think what I've kind of seen misplaced is that we, you know, the junior guys or, or maybe the peer at the peer level, right? You want them to know the gravity of the situation. From their perspective, they should see a man on an island, right, or a woman on an island that's that's in trouble. They're counter to to what the organization wants. That individual that, that has been charged uh, or convicted or, you know, found found guilty, whatever, um, you know, still still needs some kind of support from the leadership. So it's important to to engage with that person if it is something recoverable. Right. We're not talking like felony level crimes that they're going to go to the brig for the next decade for. But, you know, a captain's mass with 45 days restriction and, and whatever else. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, I'll give you a story from mine. Uh, you know, being being masked before, I think I got 30 days restriction and a suspended reduction in pay grade. Right. This one, I was very junior. You know, I'm I'm stressed out to the max. Yeah. Uh, I just left the green table cloth. It was the scariest moment of my life in the military to that point. You know, here I am kind of feeling sorry for myself. And I remember the uh, the chief warrant officer who was the commanding officer of the station. He called me into his office a few hours later and, uh, you know, called me by my first name and said, Phil, he's like, what you did was wrong. We just handled it. So it's over. He's like, now prove to me that you want to be here. And and he said, hey, the next 30 days, use to focus on your quals. Use it to focus on going out there and, and building your experience and get on the boat every time it moves. And he gave me that option, right? And that, that was probably a, another one of those times where the Coast Guard was, I mean, that was the bright, shining spot of my life for 30 days, right? That's a, the, the best part about my day was to be able to go out there and do the mission. Granted, I'm stuck on base, but I had this huge opportunity. So he just reframed the whole thing for me. Hey, it's a punishment, but it's a punishment that's going to allow you to grow. Yes. Um, so I, so I think that's where the leader fits in to everybody else saw this kid who was, stuck at the station for 30 days and couldn't, couldn't go to the bar or couldn't go, couldn't go on dates or anything. Right. I mean, yeah. my girlfriend came to the station and, and dropped off food for me. But what I saw being the, you know, behind the scenes from the leap to the top leadership 
was an opportunity to get better. And that's really, uh, I think that's key for leadership to do is to reframe that whole, the whole situation into an opportunity to grow and to get better. All right. I think that's a great note to finish this up on. I think we've given our listeners a whole bunch of stuff to think about, hopefully in this course of power area, but uh, just starting with the tools available to you, taking a progressive approach and then understanding how the application of this has huge impacts uh, on the team, not just the individual. So, Hey, uh, my guest again today has been Chief Boson's mate, Phil Null. Thanks, Phil, again for your insights on use and coercive power. It's always uh, great to have a time to talk to you. Uh, good luck to you and uh, look forward to talking to you again in another future episode about something else. Same to you. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Cutlass Podcast. If you want to learn more about the topic we've discussed today or in other, uh, in other episodes, check out the Chief Petty Officer's Guide or the other resources listed in any of the episode descriptions. To provide me feedback or suggest topics for future episodes, please email me at cutlessleadership at gmail.com. And make sure to subscribe to the Cutlass Podcast on your favorite podcast channel. Like, share, and comment so you can help me get this content out and about. I'm Paul Kingsbury. Work hard to keep your leadership cutlass sharp. Take time to reflect and improve. And then take what you learn and become a sturdy, versatile, incredible leader who makes a positive difference.